Do I need to turn your mic up? Hello. You, t- you talk lower than me. You know, the funniest thing is I used to be like the quietest person ever until I was in my 30s or something. No, but you didn't know me when <laughs> I was a teenager. You didn't know me when I was in my 20s. I was like, hi, people like get what? Yeah. It's like, hi, how are you doing? I was talking like lower than how you're talking right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, what? I can't. I can't. Okay. And then, and then my head was down. Yeah, it was pretty. And then the, just one day I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I was like James Hetfield, man. Couldn't even like All look right. at people. Couldn't even look at people. And then one day he was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Yeah. So now you can't shut me up. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is up it has been a long very 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 long time <laughs> long time long time it's been a long time for and me I, oh, and apparently for we did leave you and we're so sorry but now we are back in case you are not aware of what this podcast it is <laughs> it is music and, and we. we and it there's there's a bit of a change in how we're going about this podcast there's not a lot going on in the mj and prince world there's stuff but well, not thriller 40 but we're not i don't know about anything about yeah. that so I maybe saw... when jamila listens to it we'll be able to oh, talk about well it. yeah i don't really do i don't do posthumous i know stuff. but you saw the mistake that i made with watching this is it right do you want me to make more of those mistakes to so i, I kind of do what i you want say? you to listen to thriller 40 at you least the, listen the to it with me yeah, I can do okay, because I'm not listening. Look, <laughs> I watched This Is It, and I don't hate even <laughs> disliked it. Considered it the worst thing ever. Yeah, there's very few things I hate. I, I won't say I hate This Is It, but I strongly disliked it. So you want me to listen to Thriller Forty? If I'm gonna do it, yeah, you're gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, I'll me, do it with you. I, I'm I'll not gonna be you. tortured like that. Okay. So, I. So yeah, I, I maybe. We'll have a listen and do an immediate, like, oh, yeah, my goodness, yeah. just like, but this is it. Because right. that's but, the only thing going on in the MJ community, really. There's a documentary coming out, though. There is? There is a documentary. A biopic, actually. Of um, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Of course you didn't know, right? No? Uh, yeah. I There's forget the, the director's name, but there's it's oh. an African man, and he's directing it. And, yeah, it's coming out pretty soon. Maybe in another... Wait, it's they're releasing it? Yeah. It was officially on their website. Are you si- <sighs> What what's the so they have a trailer and everything? Not a trailer yet, but it's definitely coming. So yeah. it's probably going to focus on thriller. It's maybe is it, I wonder if it's going to re- be a repeat of um uh Jackson's an American Dream or something but just focus on Michael or is it going to be like that man in the mirror movie? Do you remember that movie? I did. With um and I do. what's yeah. that dude's name? I forget the dude's name. It was so bad. And the pancake makeup they right. put on yeah. it. It was so 
horrendous and they did that whole thing like they did the end of malcolm x like i'm michael jackson right yeah i'm michael <laughs> it was so hard nobody i don't think anybody could do justice to the story of michael jackson his life was so nuanced and yeah people either lionize the dude or demonize him like there's no in between and i think with a person like that he's such a compelling person because he's so nuanced which is why i love him it's the reason he's my favorite artist because of all the non-musical things so i don't think anybody's really going to capture that effectively and i could be wrong i agree i keep saying i'm wrong 90 percent of the time Michael jackson it's often missed so yeah, yeah I, I i don't mind being wrong i'm wrong 90 percent of the time so I, I don't mind being wrong about this <laughs> just like i'm wrong about a lot of other things so uh, I did not know this. What's it called? Uh, I believe it's just Thriller 40. I'm looking right now. Wait, the Twitter. movie is called Thriller 40? It's a biopic. About Thriller. It's in the works. Okay, so his name is, here it is, Antoine. Antoine Fuqua? That's right. Antoine Well, you said Fuqua. that too. I was like, Antoine. Well, you correct Oh, me, it's going to yeah. be one long music video. Oh. Uh, yeah, Lionsgate announced today. January Lionsgate 8th. is doing? So it's Sony? That acclaimed director, Antoine Fuqua. He did, um, didn't he do Training Day? Who did Training Day? Was that Antoine Fuqua? Training Day, Emancipation, and ah! Equalizer. You know, Jamil knows all this stuff. It's like, I, it's do like, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything. I don't. Like, yeah, I, right, don't. Okay, I promise anyway. you. You got the name correct. You knew the movies he's done. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a music video. Yeah. It's going to be so stylized, and they're going to... Yeah, there. It's not. I'm telling so you right said, now, it's not going to be good. For me, there is no artist with the no. power, no. the charisma, and the no. sheer musical genius no. of Michael Jackson. It's not going to be good. So yeah, it's not going to be good. Like, it's not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. Already, right, she's like, I'm, it ain't going to be good. Is it going to be on streaming services or theater, or did they say? They didn't say, but I'm sure the light. It's not going to be good. I'm. I'm telling you right now. I can see the future, and it will and be. It will be not good. <laughs> So, uh, like, at, uh, before I was so rudely interrupted by this Antoine Fuqua news, there's not a lot else going on in the Prince of Michael Jackson Well, I world. should also mention it's been, unfortunately, well, it's not been announced, but there's some reason to believe that the slated documentary for Prince on Netflix is not coming out this year. So there's a documentary about Prince. To yes. This was what... I think the Prince community was looking forward to ever since it was announced with Ava DuVernay. She backed uh -huh. out of it. Now it's the other guy who did Bohemian Rhapsody. I forget his name. The oh, wow. That might be okay. I don't know. I mean, I think the if they're doing that, that might be better than the MJ movie. I think that if it's Anton Fuca, it's going to be like one highly stylized music video. <laughs> and maybe I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but I feel like it'll get a little bit more respect. Yeah. I did see Bohemian Rhapsody and I thought it was all right. That was all right. It's all right. I mean, I think if you know the story of Queen, and I if, don't, oh, or I didn't, so, okay. so it was just enough to get me kind of to do more research. Ah, so the one thing I love about Freddie Mercury, guess guess what that is? Come on, you know what it is? He's Palestinian. No, he's not. Oh, <laughs> oh. His loud, his beautiful voice. I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> he's not. Was, that would be that would be amazing if he was but he was uh born in what was once known as zanzibar in a zoroastrian uh family but um and i think he's uh, uh, once again 90 percent wrong i think he's iranian or, or okay or what okay. they called persian i think don't but that's not what i was gonna say but you you already know what it is but you just you, wait you so think you're it, too hard 
You think it too hard. There's a song you did with Michael Jackson. I'm nope, not, sure not even talk about, about that. Okay, so I don't. I wouldn't know. No, he loves cats or loved cats. Oh, okay. That That's was dope. too easy. <laughs> well, yeah, I should have just went. I cats. know, like you know what it is. You know what it is. So. <laughs> That's the easiest thing in the world. So, wow. We have not been here in a while and we're just catching up. Uh, so before we even get into the podcast, there have been a, a ton of changes. I think the last couple episodes we did uh, talk about things that were happening with us. Uh, I'm still an amputee. <laughs> You're still writing books. Right. So, so that's going on. But the big thing is I'm not going to get too much into it, but uh, you moved. Yeah, I'm in Jersey, and Jamila is standing right next to me. That's right. We live together. <laughs> we live together. <laughs> so we are close friends who live together, and I think it's cool. Some people might be like, oh, man, you are going <laughs> to hate that person by the end. I think you can make it work. I mean, we're not in close vicinity of one another 24-7, so I think... Yeah. <laughs> that that might be why it works right <laughs> <laughs> and we we're, we're pretty if you couldn't tell pretty two distinct personalities <laughs> i think that jesse is a, a lot more chill than i am i'm i Vanilla wouldn't is like Wee! yeah i have much more energy right, than yeah. jesse <laughs> i stay up uh much later than jesse jesse takes way more naps i don't even take naps i'm like a cat that's why i love you yeah <laughs> Oh, no wonder that's why right. i love you that's how i felt but yeah i'm much more excitable i'm much more and and so i think it, i think it balances out because of that yeah you're much more subdued and i'm i'm just really excitable about stuff right. especially when it comes to cats but <laughs> that's why it works out and you're like okay and i'm okay. like what are you right. talking about <laughs> so and then I, yeah i don't know that we get to have a whole episode about what our differences are and, and sort of balances out, but you're one of my closest friends. So I'm glad to exactly. Be. And I'm glad to be here. I yeah. think this was a great move that I made to come here to be with Jamila and to share in with uh, just to have this podcast revitalized again. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, I'll say this cause I'm much more, I wouldn't say high strung, but I'm a little bit more of a perfectionist than you where yeah. it's like, if I get a thing, I have to do it until it's done. That Scorpio energy. Yes. <laughs> Big Scorpio Big energy. Big Scorpio energy. So say we have this desk and this furniture. I don't care if I'm an amputee. I, I have to get it done until it's done. And she did get it done. The night it came, she's like, yeah, I got to get it done tonight. And Jesse's like, well, I'm going to go to bed. I'm like, fine. <laughs> I will stay up till two in the morning doing it. I don't so again, two distinct personalities. It balances out. I, I love you, man. We've been friends. We've been friends like 12 for like years or 12 years. 11, 12 Jamila years. was the first person, I have to say, to really engage my work on YouTube and leave comments and criticize when I was falling off the line on stuff. And we've always maintained just a great friendship. And I'm amazed it's been like 12 years. It's I know. That's a long time. Through Michael for... Jackson. Like, she left a comment yeah. on my Michael Jackson video and it was just on from then. So. How does, okay, before we even get, how does that even happen? Because people comment all the time on stuff, but right. you don't necessarily build relationships. I think it was your authenticity and my willingness to hear what you had to say. Like, I wasn't the type to just like, uh, you know, because I remember making a video, not even about Michael Jackson. I was, it was around when Obama was president and I did the whole oh. argument that, oh, he's the skinniest kid in the fat cap. It's a comment 
I disagree with you, homeboy. And here's why. And literally gave me something to read that I had to, you know, I formed an analysis. I'm like, wow, I appreciate that. So wow. you've always been honest about what you think. You've never held oh, absolutely. back, you know, so I, I appreciate have, that. I have no problem with holding it back. I don't remember <laughs> that comment. Yeah, exactly. You don't even remember, but I totally remember. Because <laughs> that was the first time anyone literally was like, I don't agree with you. I had a lot of A-man corners. And Javilla was like, mm, I like you, but I don't like this opinion. So let me challenge you a bit. So. Wow, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad that. Uh, thank you, Obama, for bringing us together. I, if I'm gonna thank you for one thing, right? Yeah, it's you you brought me and Jesse together, and 12 years later, we're still here. So, right. So. Uh, you know, you're off doing something with Netflix. I don't know, but yeah, we're still here, and we're cool, and we're gonna do this podcast. And so things are changing with this. It's weird. These headphones are. What's going on? Anyway, so <laughs> so you have some uh, Audio Technicas, and I have the right. the what is it the the Super Lux, and they're both quite good. Good headphones, yeah. They're good headphones, and I know there's a whole yeah there's a whole community around like what headphones, and so I've been getting a lot into that, just researching a lot of stuff technically, and so uh, my ex roommate. Uh, we are friendly and so he's a tech guy so he's actually been helping a lot I call him Bob Rock because you know <laughs> uh, I also call him the table if you know you know, right, you know so, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah there's just a lot of turns that we're taking because again there's not a lot going on in the Prince and MJ world so to really keep doing something like that especially I can't speak for yourself but I'm not as immersed in either of those worlds. I think you're a little bit more immersed in those worlds, especially the Prince world right, than I yeah, am. For sure. I was much more immersed in it uh, when Michael was alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I am a person who appreciates Prince, but I was not immersed in that community. Absolutely. And so, right. yeah, you had that perspective. And I did a ton of research on Michael. I was writing a book, so... I was really, it, it took up a lot of my energy in doing research about him and all that. But now it's like, I didn't even know they were doing a movie. Right. So, <laughs> so we are going to be exploring different facets of music, the things we love about music, uh, criticisms about music, particular artists, uh, just politics and music, all kinds of things. I mean, even when we were focused on the Prince and Michael thing, yeah, we, we talked all, about right, exactly. a lot of that stuff. But yeah. but we want to expand our horizons of, around what music means to us because music's something that can bring people together. It can divide people. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it's an energy, and I don't think people look at it as energy. I think when they say, well, you know, don't, don't three things you don't talk about, politics, music, or religion. Because people have knockout, dragout fights, right? Those over those three things, which those three things hit very hard. For don't make sense so. to me that right. people feel differently about particular things. People have various ideologies. You don't have to fight someone over. Well, I, I, I don't like this artist. So how dare you not like right. this artist? I mean, we're getting ready to to, <laughs> to explore a particular artist that I don't like. Yes, right. and we're gonna mm, anyway. We're not gonna get into that yet. <laughs> But 
There is a particular thing that also happened in between the last episode and this episode, and that is Metallica. So we're probably going to be yes, talking about a lot of Metallica. Metallica. I think our last two episodes were on Metallica, so we went to the 40th. And now they are releasing a new album on April 14th. You're doing a shimmy. Yeah, I'm like James. <laughs> oh, that's the James shimmy. That's amazing. So, <laughs> that was good. Um, so they have an album coming out 72 seasons, 72 seasons on April 14th of this year. And the 72 seasons represents the 18 years of our lives. And so there's 72 seasons. And it's, a to me, a very spiritual concept. And there were a couple songs, and I want to explore the lyrics and discuss with you about what these songs mean to you. Explore the lyrics. So the first single that came out, let me tell you, I don't know what you were doing on the day this single came out, but I was in the middle of something, and I went to look at my emails, and I saw new song, new album, new tour. Right. It said Metallica, and I was nowhere. like, what? What is, what's going on? I read the email, it said Luxaturna, and then there's a tour, and I'm, I said, what? So automatically, I did go to YouTube, looked at it, 44 seconds in, I was like, this is dope. Right. So I texted people that are in the Metallica community, and they were like, yeah, we're listening in. And so you're getting in. I don't have uh, social media for myself. I don't do a lot of that. So, it, of course, I heard a lot of that stuff, but what is your take on Lux Eterna, what are your feelings about it? What, when you first heard it, when you heard the news, what, right. what was going on with you? Well, one thing I can say is this is my first time really experiencing the Metallica record as a fan or as someone who is appreciating their music. So when I first heard Lux Eterna, I was blown away. I think it hits as soon as it starts. It's like, it's just like, it hits you really hard. I really enjoyed it and I still do enjoy it. And as you mentioned, it's like a big hug. Um, it just sounds it's it surrounds you and it, there's nothing about it that feels off. It just feels like they were totally in awareness when they made this record and it just hits really hard. And it, I, I love it. I mean, I think it's like electricity. It's like an electric shock. That's how without, you know, pun in, not intended. But yeah, it feels really good to listen to this record. And it excites me to hear what the album is going to sound like because it just... It's powerful. And the video is great as well. Oh, yeah. It's it's wonderful. Uh, to me, I'm a punk kid. So that's the tradition I come from since the age of 14. <laughs> so I heard this. I'm like, it's a punk song. To me, for all intents and purposes, I know they don't say this. I'm saying this. And I, again, I'm 90% wrong. So, But to me, Metallica is a punk band. I got into Metallica and loved Metallica at the age of 14 because to me, this sounded like punk. Right. Like thrash is just punk music heightened and with some new wave of British heavy metal and all that. But to me, it's essentially punk music. And so this is going back to that. The thing is, there was a little album called St. Anger. After they did St. Anger, you started seeing all these sort of stream of consciousness lyrics. And Lux Eterna to me, is the result of a lot of that work they did to get to the point where they are now. So it, to me, as Jesse said, that I said, it, it does feel like a giant hug. It's like a giant bear hug. 
that it's a, a version of whiplash when they say the last verse will never stop, will never quit, because what? Come on, oh, Jenny! You're, 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 a, you're a hater! You're a hater! You're such a poser! What did, what did, what did, what did James say? Poser! Get out of here, poser! Bailoff from Exodus, poser! If if you were in that audience and Paul Bailoff saw you, oh he would take your shirt and rip right, it, he and he would put yeah, it right. on his wrist right. because he's like, "Yeah, poser. I I got you, poser." So yeah, you you better you better be ready for that. We'll never stop. We'll never quit. Cause we're Metallica. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we're Metallica. So yeah. So to me, it's an extension of that. It's like you know, we're at the point where we are mature. We are rethinking our life in these new ways. And we're appreciative of everything that's happened, all the mistakes we've made, all of the people who have appreciated us in down times and up times and whatever. And then you had another little thing called COVID happen. So I feel like a lot of these songs are going to be re referring to some some things happening in the midst of covid like right. the let's eterna it's i'm happy to be back with people celebrating this music together with a crowd and i think there are going to be songs maybe not strictly about that or directly about that but i think it's going to be referring to a, a lot of the things people have experienced during covid but uh, anticipation and domination. So you're like, the right. band's coming on. So that could be referring to, say, you've seen Metallica, what, like two or three times at this point? Yes, I have. So <laughs> when you look at that lyric, anticipation and domination, what right. do you think of? They're about, to, they're about to get on stage. I mean, when I first saw them, I saw them at the 40th. So that was a very great show to be at, to, to be a part of. I saw both shows with Jamila. And yeah, I definitely had a lot of anticipation because I was like, oh, what is this? I mean, listening, and I listened to all of their records. I did go through all of their, their records, and I, I really loved and enjoy just all of what they put into their music. And the writing of James Hetfield, the playing of Kirk Hammett and Rob Trujillo and Lars, I mean, they are incredible. And it just feels very invigorating to listen to their music because they've been doing it for 40 years. I mean, look, 41 at this point, 41. Yeah. yeah, 41 at this point. <laughs> and this song sounds just as fresh as any of their records. I mean, you know, a lot of folks just pay attention to what they did in the 80s. But mm -hmm. I love this sound. I love just the energy that comes with it. It's not it's full speed or nothing. Full nothing. <laughs> I'm taking down, you know, whatever's in my way. <laughs> Getting your kicks. You were shooting the light, sending the shivers up and down my spine. Yes. Mota Barrett. Oh, see? I, I knew <laughs> you were looking at like, what song is that? Like, what song what is that? Song is I'm that? not at the point where I know which songs, what lyrics come from which songs yet. Lars I'm forgives you. Here. Lars forgives you. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lux Eterna, of course, means eternal light. So to mm. me, it's a continuation. It's sort of like the bookmark of another chapter of Metallica. So while they're saying we'll never stop, we'll never quit because we're Metallica, they are also saying, you know, we're not going to be here forever. Like we're not young anymore. 
we can't be doing this forever. Our bodies are not going to allow us to do this forever. How, however, the spirit of Metallica will live on forever. And so one of the things about Lux Eterna is that it is used in a liturgical, in liturgical, through liturgical means by, you know, when someone's passed on, they're saying their spirit lives on forever. And so the spirit of Metallica will live on forever. Absolutely. Yeah. regardless of whether or not we're going to physically be here. So it, it's a beautiful song. And of course there's references to diamond head. So there's lightning, the nation there's just so many references. And so given that the album 72 seasons, it's yeah, just talking about the first 18 years of the life, but it's also talking about what happens after those 18 years. Hmm. Do you take on the personalities of your parents? Do you take on what they've taught you? Or do you challenge those teachings mm -hmm. and go on to another life? So I really do feel like that's what this album is going to represent. I don't know. I'm just going on the message of what James Hetfield said. So I, I think this is a great introduction to an upcoming album. It, it makes me, it is currently my favorite Metallica song, which that's saying a lot because Blackened was my favorite <laughs> Metallica song. For, but this has taken that over to be number one because it is like such a ginormous hug. And to see at that point, this is the first time you sing Metallica in terms of their music be in such a positive spot. To have such a perspective of this sort, it's this consciousness shift, and I'm really into it. Yeah. I, I really am. I'm excited for what this album is going to sound like because this was the perfect start to what this album is going to sound like. When it came out and we watched the video, it was just like, whoa, whoa. And it's favorable. I think a lot of folks feel that when they listen to it. A lot yeah. of folks had that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the truths... Uh, the folks who are the first four albums, maybe five at most, but it's a lot of folks. Oh, Metallic is back! It's like, wait, <laughs> but what about Hardwired or right. about Death Magnetic? Because Death Magnetic, Ooh, had thrashier elements than Hardwired. So, I mean, I think every album is where Metallica is back, but they haven't gone anywhere. They haven't gone anywhere, right. <laughs> they just take a little longer between albums, but they haven't gone anywhere. They do shows every single year. So it's uh, it's fascinating to see how Metallica is still in the public consciousness because there was the conversation around Gene Simmons saying rock is dead. A lot of people are saying that. But then Metallica comes out with a record. It's like, oh, oh, trending, number one trending or whatever on the rock stations and YouTube. So I think people appreciate a band like Metallica. I think it's, to me, I don't know about you, I think it's beyond rock. It's beyond music. I see Metallica as more, uh, from more of a philosophical and spiritual framework. I know that not everybody does. I'm just speaking for myself. So to see a song like Lux Eterna, I see it as a spiritual thing. I see it as a philosophical thing. It just happens to be great music. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so, and now we go on to the second single, which was released within this past week. 
And it's kind of been one of the only songs I've been listening to. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because the song is called Screaming Suicide. I'm sure we have discussed this on one level or another on the show, but I am a person who does live with depression. I know you also live with depression. You have seasonal depression. Right. I just have lifetime depression. So Depression sucks. Yeah. So I... I'm just like, man, can I have yours? Because <laughs> if I have to have depression, can I just be seasonal? Because this, this not knowing when something's going to happen, I, I don't like that. <laughs> so um, I'm not a fan. <laughs> but it's funny because people, I don't know if it's people who don't experience depression, but it's this idea that if you're experiencing depression, you just, have to be down all the time and right. if you're happy it's like well you're not depressed it's like that's not how depression works and th it's not a universal experience <laughs> no exactly everyone has different experiences with depression and if it goes in and goes out mm -hmm. in different ways exactly so like, this morning i was feeling like <laughs> and, you know it, it it wavers for me and i i don't know what your experiences are, I know, you know, you're you're more like, well, I don't really want to talk to anybody, and I get that way when I'm really in the throes of it, when I'm in mm. a period of ideation. That's right. when I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. But normally, if I'm feeling an episode, or if I'm about to, if I know something's oncoming, I have to talk to somebody. I have to be around people. I can't isolate myself because right. I know I that's dangerous right. for that's me to dangerous. do that. Yeah. If I isolate myself, yeah, I'm not even going to finish that. So for me, no, I, I want to know what you think of this song, like what, what your experience was listening to the song before. I well, think. listening to Screaming Suicide was very, like, it sounds amazing as well. I mean, all of the guitar solos by Kirk sounds great. But the lyrics, just really reading the lyrics and really identifying with what James is conveying in the music it sounds like a a call, but also an answer to how it feels when one is dealing with not necessarily suicidal ideation, but the thoughts of wanting to maybe think of it as a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I know as he wrote in describing the song, you know, you are not alone. And I like that he added that because I think a lot of folks when dealing with the thought of suicide or just the thought of not being here, there's so many thoughts that come to mind. and. This feels almost like a, a reminder that, you know, we all have this scream. It's an inner scream. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's very quiet. But it's, you know, it's one thing because he says, you know, don't ever speak my name. Remember, you're to blame. Keep me inside. Because when people hear about suicide, it's often like, oh, they I've heard folks say recently with the passing of um, Twitch, the guy from Ellen, uh, there was a comment. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was a dancer who was on the Ellen Show, and oh wow, yeah, he committed suicide a little un under a month ago. And I saw someone write a comment, and they were like, "I'm sorry, but this is selfish." Like they saw it, they read it as a selfish act, and I, I see a lot of people giving that perspective, like, "Oh, it's so selfish for someone to take their life." And I don't think that that's an approach someone should have because mm -hmm. there's so much going on when you think of those that do take their life. For like we were talking about yesterday, for some people, it's they feel good about it because like, hey, I'm going to finally be free from right. the pains that I have. So this feels like 
as I said, like an answer to that, but also a call to just the motions of, of suicide. Right. And the interesting thing is that people are comparing this song to Fade to Black. And initially I agreed with that. And here's why I don't agree with that. Because this, this primary reason for writing the song was that equipment was stolen. So when particular things happen, when you feel emotionally close to something or someone that is a huge part of your identity or a huge part of your spirit, when that thing gets taken away, sometimes you do not have the will to live. That doesn't mean that you want to end your life. To me, not having the will to live is not the same thing as wanting to end your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's like everything was taken away from me. I don't know if I want to be here. So if that's just one incident, that's one incident. And then, you know, you might feel better if someone, you know, if someone's like, here's an amp or whatever, I found your amp, then he's going to be like, oh, I feel better about living again. So saying I've lost the will to live does not mean I want to end. And so again, this is my, this is Jamila's perspective. Eventually, you know, a lot of people, because they do have ideation, do identify, do resonate with the song. But that's not the original meaning of the song. It just happens to be interpreted in that way because that's what people are experiencing. But screaming suicide is really about someone experiencing those thoughts, experiencing those voices in your head saying, you're not good, you might as well end your life. Mm-hmm. So this is the thoughts of someone. Suicide's talking in your head. It's like, huh, you didn't ask to be here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now you know, you're going to spend your whole life fighting with all these forces. So... Yeah, here to claim your dream, look you in the eye, past the broken sky, craving dopamine. Craving dopamine could be social media. Like you could be lonely, so you crave that connection through social media. Right. So a lot of people are doing that. Again, COVID. Especially you couldn't hang out with people. Hang out, isolated, alone. Right. Right. Yeah. Then my voice of fears, teaching you of fears, are you good enough? I think that's another social media reference. So all these people are happy in couples or uh, showing these particular pictures where they look good or whatever. You're like, oh, I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm not going to. I have too much acne. I don't know. So it's just all of these things telling you in your head. It's like, well, I might as well just end my life. I'm not as good as those people on social media. I feel like that is a reference to that. I don't know. I'm not in James Hetfield's head. Yeah, I think songs can be interpreted in particular ways, but I do think the dopamine thing, I do think all this stuff is around that and saying, I feel like the song, the description of the song is a little bit more simplistic uh, than someone actually like living with depression and suicidal ideation. That Again, this is my perspective. And so the voice is saying, you know, listen, well, don't speak by name, like don't ever say suicide you got to keep that to yourself because it's not the not a word that you want to speak and so one of the reasons i love this song is because of youtube so the youtube uh algorithms uh the uh what do you call it? the rules now have changed it where you can't really utter the word suicide oh yeah right. so you can't like you have to say unalived you can't talk about rape. Right. You you can't do all these things. You have to talk around it or blank it out. Yeah. And so now I guess the 
thing is you can't swear in, in seven yeah, seconds right. or ten, seven, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like all of these rules have stifled the way people talk about mental health issues. So there was what five to seven years ago, there was the uh, one of the first waves of the apocalypse or a lot of people getting demonetized that were talking about mental health, that were talking about sexual health, that were talking about issues that really affected queer people. And those got demonetized. But the right wing people weren't getting demonetized until much later mm-hmm. because that affected the ad dollars. So as long as right-wing people or it doesn't even have to be right-wing people or whatever. I'm just saying right-wing because right people, oh, see, you want to cancel everybody. But it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on as long as it made money, they didn't care. But the people who are marginalized don't make money. Like people who are anti-capitalist, people who are queer, people who are talking about sexual health, that doesn't... They don't know how to advertise. They don't know how... The algorithm doesn't know what to do in terms of ads. So they're like, yeah, "Yeah, we just... We're going to demonetize you because it's not family friendly. Right. But yet someone can, uh, you know, speaking of suicide, someone can go to the suicide forest in Japan and that can actually be on the front of YouTube. Yeah, exactly. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So because that dude made YouTube money. Right. So that's okay. But you can't talk about hey, you know what? My best friend ended their lives. I'm going to, like, you can't do this. Like, whoa. whoa so right. the thing I love about this song is that is, I think it is now the last I checked, number 11 on the trending on YouTube. Wow. People want to talk about Absolutely. what they're going through mentally yeah. and the struggles. And Metallica is discussing this. So now everybody, like, now you get them suicide in your title. So that this is one like of the that. things I didn't, I didn't even make that connection. That's I cool. love about the song is that it is bringing up the issues, and even James Hetfield talks about, yeah, this is a word we're not supposed to say, but we have to address it, and we have to speak its name in order to address it. We can't dance around it. I am so appreciative of this song as a person who does have suicide ideation. I'm just being very open about. I might have talked about it on the show before. I don't remember. And as a person who has made attempts to end my life over the years, starting from the age of 14, which is interesting because that's the same age I got into when I got into Metallica. So mm-hmm. connection, I don't know. <laughs> it's coming full circle. Right. But for me, depression is interesting because I, I am able to manage it day to day, but there are some days where I have difficulty sleeping and that's when I know when to really look for, okay, that moment where I'm just like, okay. And for some people, they make plans months ahead that they're going to end their life. They may give uh, their possessions away. They may tell every single person they love them, all this stuff, like these particular patterns. Some people might experience a job loss and go, okay, I'm just, you know. So people experience this thing very differently. There's a lot of people with the social media that people have taken their lives because people made fun of them on social media. There's different variations of that. So for somebody who hasn't experienced it personally or whatever, to create this all-encompassing definition, no, it doesn't work that way. Everyone's experience is is very different. I have had to call that hotline on a number of occasions. I was uh, at this one job 
and I would ride my bike. Obviously, I'm not riding a bike anymore. It was just actually the same job that I was going to when I got hit by the truck, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was riding on the bridge, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stop and jump off the bridge. I'm going to do it on my lunch break. So my broma stop was like, I'm ready to do it today. Mm. And then I was like, ooh. So I told my manager, and she was like, you need a bridge. You need to call the number. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so I talked, and, you know, and the person talked me off the ledge. And so there has been a number of times where someone had to talk me off the ledge because I'm just like, I'm getting ready to do it. Mm. So the last time that happened to me was December 1st, uh, 2021. There are times after that, in between now and that moment where I have that ideation, where it's just like, I don't feel like living today. But I wasn't like, I'm going to end my life. It was just like, I don't really feel like living today. And, and the thing for me is just some of that is, you know, in relation to the song, I don't know, it's me being an amputee. So while I have accepted being an amputee, I'm learning to accept my body in this form but I do feel useless a lot of the time. I think I may have talked to you about that, yeah, where yeah. I just feel like, you know, I've been a pretty independent person for a large part of my life, and now I am having to ask for help about mm -hmm. the simplest things. Right. And I feel horrible about it. I feel horrible asking people, they're like, hey, can you just like grab that thing for me that I used to be able to do? And I feel like I'm getting ready to cry. <laughs> but just, just something so simple that I never had to ask people for help and now I have to do it and I feel so useless sometimes and actually today we had the plumber come over <laughs> and so when I talked to him on the phone yesterday it was like yeah you know and so he rings the bell and I open the door and he looks at me like "Is am I in the wrong house uh. because Clearly, you're not expecting it. Like, I didn't say I was an amputee to him. Right. So he was very nice. Like, don't, you know, yeah. like, he was really nice. Yeah, was but, cool. but, you know, I understand that because I didn't tell him I was an amputee. And so he wasn't expecting that. The look on his face, I was like, no, I'm going to get my friend, you know, don't, don't worry. He's like, okay. But yeah, just the look on his, it's just people, because this country is ableist. Oh, you know, goodness. we don't think about oh, potentially someone could be an amputee. It's like when we, because I get a lot of packages. So even where they put the packages in front of the door, I can't open the door where I'm positioned in the wheelchair. And so I have to actually get up and put on the prosthetic. It's People don't think of it. It's just like putting the packages because you're going to just walk and get it, open the door and walk and get it. But I can't physically do that. Right. But that's not what people are thinking about because you don't have to because... You may not know someone who's an amputee. And even even people who do know someone who's an amputee still do it. Mm -hmm. Because subconscious, it's just like ableism is abounds. So, you know, I, I, so I just feel sometimes I just get so down about it. And I'm just like, I feel useless because just asking for help. I feel like I'm a burden much of the time. Hey, I call you Kirky. I'm like, hey, Kirky, can you, you get this thing for me? And I feel like I'm bothering you. And you're like, no, but I do feel that way because I feel useless. It's like something that I could do. I'm asking for the simplest thing. So, yeah, most of the time I can do stuff. Clearly, I built this right. desk. Can, I built, you, you know, so, so uh, there's a lot of things like, a, a, like much of the stuff in this house. I 
you know and and jesse help but there are th th like i can build a desk but i can't reach something like something like that it's it's just it's like i just feel so useless and so i resonate with this song so that doesn't it doesn't mean because i feel useless and i'm like i'm gonna jump out of the window but i do sometimes it's like man if i wasn't here right now like jesse would be better off i do feel that way oh wow. i don't i'm just being really honest so that's the that's the ideation everyone would be better off if i wasn't here because i'm just i'm in the way of everybody as an amputee you know people are like oh don't feel that way but that's what my brain is telling me so it's just like your brain's telling you you're not good enough so that's what the song's addressing i understand that you know there are people who love you the people who go through this know there are people who love them but there's still things in your brain can't stop those thoughts from saying happening. i'm not good enough they will be better off without me i know they love that they tell me that every day but they'll be so much better off like i won't be in their way so somebody experiencing that, you can't just be like, hey, just think positive thought. That's a bit too simplistic. Living with depression is far more nuanced than that. That's why I think this song is a, a little bit more about social media and all that kind of stuff. Because we all like James Hadfield has been very open about his mental health struggles. So it's very clear he understands the nuance of mental health struggles. He's been dealing with therapy in, in some form or fashion over the years. He's gone to uh, all kinds of things with his uh, struggles with alcohol, with, with other things. And so he understands the nuances. But again, I feel like some of this is related to being isolated, to being on social media. A lot of the stuff, from my perspective, that they do address is addiction, whether it's substances, whether it's fame, whether it is social media. Mm -hmm. And so I really do think it is a continuation of that where the addiction to social media could bring on a lot of Absolutely. these conversations in your head. And the reality is some people do end up taking their lives because of that. Yeah. And so I feel like, again, I'm not James Hetfield, but I do think that is a part of this. And I think this is a wonderful song. The more I listen to it, the more I love it. It says, don't ever speak my name. Remember, you're to blame. Keep me inside. My name is suicide. Just say it. Mm -hmm. And it's a really hard word to say. Yeah. Like, it's not. I don't ever say that word. I say it either in, in my life or that is a word really you do not say. Right. It's really hard for me to say it right now. <laughs> Curse another day. Spirit locked away. Punish and deprive. So, yeah, it's just. Ugh. Hate to be awake, living a mistake, more dead than alive. Hmm. Then a voice appears. So when you're at your lowest moment, there is a voice that comes. It's just like, you're not good no. enough. No, you are good enough. Oh, you are good enough, right. Throwing down the rope. Life, life on hope, never give you up. It's just like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. So this could be God. Right. You could be at your lowest moment, and that's when God appears. It's just like, I'm here for you. I love mm -hmm. you. I think this is very spiritual. It, it could i don't know if it's god like for me this is god and then and then wait god comes and then that other voice comes back mm -hmm. in the chorus it's just like don't don't, don't listen don't, don't, don't listen, listen to that, to that. Right. i'm suicide like okay. mm -hmm. um and so yeah this is my life man 
um, isolating fight your mind telling you you're left behind. And then I think this is the person. My lying voice inside keeps drinking cyanide and no more can you run into the sun. Um, and then it repeats again with the bridge. But then it, now it flips. Now you Terrified, sleepless now night, caught in spotlight, dead to rights, isolating and fight your mind, telling you you're left behind. And now you speak my name. So now I, I, I don't know what point where they're like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And now you speak my name. You've given back the blame. Keep me deep inside. Don't you keep me inside screaming suicide. Now that I'm exposed inside, shine the light on cyanide. I'm no longer needed here. Now you faced your biggest fear. I love this song. I absolutely love this song. And to me, it's particularly this part. Where is it? Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. I mean, the whole thing, but especially the last part. I feel like it is an answer to unnamed feeling. Uh. And so I have, again, is a person who is just like, I'm going to go do it. And my brain snaps. Like, I don't know. I don't think about doing it. And then it's just like, I'm going to go do it. But that's an unnamed feeling. And the unnamed feeling is the unnamed word here. Right. But now speak that word. Mm-hmm. So that word is suicide. Speak it. Because the more you speak it and, and put it in that consciousness, like, you can define it. Right. If, if you have the unnamed feeling, you can't define where your head is at. But now you have a word you can define and you can fight it. And fighting is not, again, it's, I, I don't think this is, yeah, I think it's pretty simplistic in its writing, but I don't think it's naive in its writing. I think that it's saying like part of that fighting is finding a friend to talk to when you are having those brain snaps calling a hotline and the thing i'm really happy about the last time i called the hotline because i have a number in a different state the number picks up in whatever state that number is in but now it's just like a, across the board i think national hotline i'm so happy about that yeah, i've since they changed that i've actually considered using that a couple of times since <laughs> that um i'm so happy about that but i think that's really what it's about you you really are not alone it's not I don't think James Hetfield is saying, yeah, just your mind is just think positive thoughts and those suicide of the I I really don't think that's what he's saying. That would be foolish to say. But I think ultimately it's saying there are people experiencing what you're experiencing. No, you're not alone. Speak that name because you can connect with other people that are speaking that as well. And you are not alone and call a hotline if you need to. Talk to a close friend, talk to a family member, talk to your partner, whoever you feel okay with talking to, do that. Right. You know, tell them, you know, I just need to tell you this. I, I need to be alone, but I need to also talk to you. And that's how I feel a lot of the time. I don't need to be around. I don't like being around a lot of people, <laughs> but there, I like being around people because again, if I was isolated, yeah. if I was isolated, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be here doing this episode. I'm just, I'm just telling you. So I need people to check in with every single day because if I didn't have that, I need that because what I just said. So that's just my TED talk on Screaming Suicide. I don't know if you have. No, I mean, you said it all. I think this is a great song to uh, 
provide company for those that feel alone, just to utter the word, it does help because if you can talk to someone, do that. If you can call that hotline, do that because it's necessary to, to know that you're not alone. It, it can feel that way, but to reach out, I think definitely provides the necessary company to keep going. So absolutely. You said it well. And I'm glad you're here with us. I could not imagine. <laughs> the whole being hit by a truck was enough. It was just horrible to hear that. But you survived. <sighs> and I'm so thankful to the universe and to spirit for that. Because that was a awful day to hear that. And just an awful time not knowing what was going to happen after that point. Because we just heard it. And it was like, we don't know the status. We don't know. It's just like, oh, my goodness. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a that is a moment that changed my life. Obviously, I have one leg, <laughs> but yeah, I think what is it? Next month it'll be two years. Right. That's that's insane. That's, woo, wow. So yeah, that's what's going on on that end. But one of the things, <laughs> woo, that was pretty heavy. <laughs> right. Flowers and kittens and rainbows and yes. puppies and babies and yeah exactly kittens 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 (laughs) (laughs) but one of the things that we do think is important to address is politics and music so as mentioned people say oh three things you don't talk about politics music and religion and then people go well politics shouldn't be in music And a lot of people who say that, there are some people who say, well, I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on. I don't like politics and music. Everything's political, though. Everything. (laughs) But (laughs) a lot of people also who say that have no problem saying, oh, say, can you see? (laughs) The second you go to a sports game when oh, say, can you see comes on? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that a political song? Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> but but you stand and put your hand over your heart for it. But that's a political song. Mm-hmm. Or what's that? Toby Toby Keith, courtesy the red, white, and blue. Put right. a boot up your ass because yeah, right. the American way. Got no problem with that. Got right. no problem with Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's talking about somebody being murdered by the state, if somebody's talking about capital, capitalism mm-hmm. bad, if somebody talking about patriarchy bad or whatever, oh, politics, not in music. So I wanted to ask you, what are some songs you can think of that are political in nature Ooh, there are plenty of songs that are political in nature even if they're not aware that they're giving a political line and it's like it's implied through the service to the state like songs that focus there's a song that's about veterans i can't remember the name on the song that um ll cool j did with uh accidental racist accidental. oh <laughs> oh 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 my god oh, oh. <laughs> right exactly mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's like Woo. these things are political <laughs> you can't really escape the fact that everything is political and i think even if I'm, if we were to examine even the songs that are like on the hits right now, like the hit songs, the songs that really get a lot of attention, mm. I think they have a lot of political, I mean, there's a political angle. There's a political angle to these songs. And so while they may not be explicitly surface on it, but if you, you know, you peel, peel back the skin, so to speak, you can see <laughs> <laughs> there's a political angle. 
Um, I'm trying to think of one. Oh, dang, before you do that. Uh, so uh, we did we did do our list of uh, album. Maybe we'll do another episode. We focus on that. But St. Anger, definitely. I, I was wrong. I told you I'm wrong 90% of the time. But <laughs> I don't know why I rated St. Anger so low because it's literally one of my favorite albums of all time. So I'm, a, I'm so sorry. Anyway. Yeah. But right. yeah. Speaking of peeling back skin. I did a six-hour movie about St. Anger. Come on. Right. Anyway, that, yeah, that says it all. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, Man in the Mirror. Why is that political? I mean, besides the fact that everything's political, why is that? Why did you specifically choose I, I that I mentioned song? that because of what, he, what he's saying when he says, um, yeah, uh, take a look at yourself and make a change. It's a lot of, it's, it's almost like he's, the, the wording of that song is saying, hey, you know, things are bad, but you can you can do yourself a service by pulling yourself up and looking. So respectability politics. Respectability politics. politics. Right. That, to me, Man and Mirror is a respectability politics anthem, man. <laughs> uh, keep the faith in Man and Mirror, respectability right, politics right. anthem. I right. mean, the song's fine, but it's like he has better songs. Mm-hmm. Like the most political song that Michael Jackson did was They Don't Care About Us. Sadly, mm. the fact that he kind of put the the... Like the, yeah, the, yeah, I like, I I don't think that's necessary. Uh, I think the song would have been way better without that stuff. Cause I think the song was more effective without that. And rightfully he did get called out about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the songs outside of that kind of stuff. I think the song's great. And it is, I don't know, uh, uh, that I can remember. I think that is his most political song because it's literally I mean maybe why you want to trip on me but I think uh, right. that uh, that song is more explicit absolutely He's t- yeah so um, and then the video that went behind it both of them that were directed by Spike Lee so those were explicitly political and that was the most the history album was the most politically explicit he got which For is sure. why it is my favorite adult <laughs> Michael Jackson album like he yeah. touched on it on some levels but history was like okay he said he said the jfk, JFK exposed, exposed the, CIA. the cia truth be told the, the grassy no i'm like mm. <laughs> and i'm not a fan of jfk but i'm just like mm. okay okay michael okay okay i see you michael he's talk, he talking about conspiracy theories on that album i'm like okay yeah never did that album again so i mm. <laughs> so he asked the most political michael got but then with prince yeah, I mean, you could, if you're Avalanche, talking about... Avalanche, you got Avalanche, you got the song. Like, I mean, you could say Golden Parachute is political. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. That's Along the addition. lines of that, it's not explicit. I mean, he's talking about the music industry. Right. But, you know, a song like Welcome to America is political. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got plenty of those. Like, okay, I wanted to ask you about America. What are your thoughts on America? The song America? Yes. Not not the country, oh, not not the continent burn. or the country, oh. <laughs> but, but the song. <laughs> it sounds complete. It sounds very satirical. I know when he did that MTV interview and they asked him like, "So when you wrote America?" and he's like, "Completely patriotic." The way he did that, it <laughs> sounded it sounded so like yeah. He's like communism, just right. a word. So it's so just the, yeah, huh? Yeah, Tynova, it'll be the only word that's heard. Right. I've always felt he. Yeah, he approached that song as a way to be like, yeah, America, America. It's like it has all of this energy, right? But it's like, yeah, but it, you know, you you he talks about you know Johnny went to school mm-hmm. and he pledged allegiance, said it wasn't cool, nothing major. So it's like he's saying, 
It's almost like here's what happens when you don't, you know, pledge your allegiance to America. There's a there's a resistance. Right. So, yeah, some people look at it as being more of a conservative or right wing perspective. I also see it as sort of satirical. I think Prince definitely was conservative leaning in a lot of ways, but he also had a particular relationship with this country that wasn't always positive either. So, yeah, I look at the song as more satirical than anything else. I don't think he was particularly anti-capitalist, but I don't think that he was also pro what this country does in terms of capitalism. I mean, capitalism across the board is not very beneficial to the masses of people. (laughs) But uh, just so you know where we stand on uh, music and (laughs) weed. But (laughs) we can't even say, oh, the... the, uh, what is it? The opinions of the host do not reflect music. And we, it's like, yes, yeah, the opinions yeah. of the hosts of the show do they reflect do the show reflect because the show. we're the yeah. host. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think Prince definitely had more overt uh, political songs talking about, yeah, Avalanche. Abraham Lincoln was a racist. So, so, okay, okay. So there's, so were you at any shows that he did where people walked out? Because I know people have walked out. Right. No, I mean, that was before my time, of course. I was like 10 when the Rainbow Children or the One Night Alone album came out. So, no, I have not seen that. But I have had friends tell me they've been to shows and they've seen that. Like with Family Name, people walked out. Avalanche. Muse to the Pharaoh in particular. People walked out of Muse to the Pharaoh? Yes. Because he says, you know, Holocaust aside, many lived and died, but when all truth is told, would you rather be dead or be sold? And they're like... Uh, and he talks about... There's wow. a lot of stuff he's saying in Muse to the Pharaoh. A lot of layered... Yeah. Political. I mean, I don't read that as... I, I, I could see how people... Re- I don't read... Like, I could see how people could read that as he's trivializing what the Nazis did. But I think he's saying it's all bad. Yeah, that's my opinion yeah. too. But I think a lot of folks read it as you mentioned. Like yeah, I, I don't think he's trivializing that. I'd, you know, I could, again, I could be wrong. I'm 90% <laughs> wrong. But, I, uh, but you could also say, like, people don't, people do not pay attention to the African Holocaust. And I think that's yeah, really that's what he's saying. True. Exactly. That's the point I get too. So like, Because Africans were also... I mean, not even talking about the the Maafa, which, but <clears throat> but people don't even address Africans that were caught up in all that. People don't uh, discuss the Roma. People don't discuss the communists or socialists. People don't discuss the queer people mm-hmm. that were caught up and encamped and everything. So we have to t- address all of that. None of it was good. <laughs> Like, no one should be in camp, whether you're right. Japanese, whether you are Jewish, whether you are African. No one should be in camp. So right. let's that not get boring. that twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, in particular to your experience and your lineage mm. and your history and your political alliances, you are most likely going to emphasize uh, one piece of history over another. I mean, I-, I think that a lot of people do it. So Prince doing it, I don't. Things should be a surprise. Right. <laughs> so there was an African Holocaust, just like there was a Holocaust of Jewish people. And I think we can acknowledge both of those. Yeah. And anyone who's just like, the Holocaust didn't get out of here. I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> like, stop right. being a, den- like, don't yeah, even do that. Stop, like, I, stop. I'm not for, no, don't, don't do that. 
<laughs> don't yeah don't do that so um people who are marginalized who are oppressed we need to address all of these things and we need to openly fight it so the other thing before we we get into your homeboy oh mm. so so the other thing with with the anti-fascist thing because people are like oh oh um antifa like it's one organization or something like that are you saying like the original bolsheviks who were anti-fascist so anyone fighting fascism whether or not you call yourself a bolshevik or whatever so that's bad like are you saying <laughs> i i just don't understand like people who argue against people fighting fascism yeah you may disagree with the methods but there are different methods to get to a particular place. Yeah. So are you saying that marginalized people or people who are fighting openly fighting fascism, that they should just sit down and be like, okay, hey, we're anti-fascist. You know, it's cool that fascists are being violent. And, and a lot of those fascists, um, <laughs> you know, they're police and military. What What's the Rage Against Machine? Speaking of political music, Rage Against Machine, some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. Mm. So if I'm anti-fascist, I'm supposed to sit there and just let, let them do whatever they want. Because fa fascism is violent. Yeah. So I'm supposed to just let that happen. I, I don't know. It, it takes different kinds of ways to organize against these forces of fascism. Right. And some of those people are going to fight in similar methods. Some people are going to, uh, fight uh, in other strategic ways, whether that's, you know, I guess academically or ideologically or whatever. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to use, <laughs> I don't know. So it's to say that it's like what Martin Luther King was saying or Malcolm X was saying. It's like y'all are expecting us to sit there and just go, okay, we're just going to sit here and go, we shall overcome until right. laws are overturned. Like, it doesn't work that way. No. Capitalism is violent. Yeah. <laughs> so even Martin Luther King, he didn't sit there and go, okay, we're just going to sit there and hold hands. It was nonviolent direct action. <laughs> yeah. Direct, direct action. action. And people hated MLK for taking direct action. So you just, so, so people misconstrued what he was saying by saying, we're just going to sit there and take it. That's not That's what not happened. What saying, yeah. So we're, I think we're getting too off the mark here, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we haven't been on for a while so you yeah. know i mean it's and i will say this will be a we're going to do another episode where we're, oh, we're actually, doing plenty yeah we're doing plenty of episodes but in relation to the artist that we're going to talk about so let's just oh prince the no, artist no, no. <laughs> he was the symbol <laughs> the, the artist form of are we doing episodes on artists again we are can. we going we going back to prince okay I got <laughs> no, you. no 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 we're not so we're here to talk oh, about Lord. briefly oh <laughs> About an artist by the name of Sananda Matria. I want to call him by the... We will mention his old name because a lot of you may not know who that is. He used to go by the name... Terrence Fred Darby. <laughs> she said that off the tongue. Terrence Fred Darby. TTD. <laughs> Terrence Fred Darby, also now known as Sananda Matria. So, <laughs> if you can see her right now... Her head is down. Her head is shaking. Her hand is over her head. She's gasping. So, <laughs> so Nanda Matria is an artist that I have literally listened to consistently. It's going on three years now for post-millennium rock. Not his material when he was TTD. I don't want to really talk about that. We will talk about that briefly. 
wishing well and sign your name and dance little sister and all those songs. A lot of folks remember him from his Heartline. He was album. also in. Uh, he sang for In Excess when yes. Michael Hudgens sadly, speaking of ending of life, mm-hmm. yeah. So right, yeah, he did play the front man of that band. So Sananda Latria is a very, very interesting artist, and I want to talk about him. If you if you call it if you want to call it that, I call him interesting because of his career, as you know, he's had many experiences in the music industry and personally. And I think he's an artist that I've just been really putting the microscope and the telescope both, you know, just trying to really examine what is it that I like about him? Because that's one thing to me. It's like, what do you like about this dude? Like, I see why you like Prince and Michael. What is it about Sonata? And lately I've been interrogating it. Like, what is it about this guy? Like, why am I invested in post-millennial rock? Why have I purchased all of his albums? Wait, hold on. So post-millennium rock is the series of albums? That's the genre he calls his music. He has he, a whole... <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm done. No. He calls his <laughs> records, his music, he calls it, yeah, he has a whole he description. He has a whole genre. Yes, and he describes it as post-millennium rock. And I will get. I will give a description of what. Yeah, so that you all know what you know. What is post millennium rock? What is this? You know, because he has a whole. And that's the thing about Sananda is that he does a lot of talking. If you go to his website, you can read lengthy paragraphs and descriptions to his concepts. He's a very conceptual artist. He has themes in post millennium rock from. Prometheus and Pandora, The Rise of the Zugabrian Time Lords, Return to Zuathalon. Uh, like, he has a whole definition for what he's attempting to do with this genre of music that he considers post-millennium rock. And it's interesting because when I first heard Sananda, as Sananda, not as Terrence and Darby, I remember like, I was like, what is this? I, 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 this is hard. This is hard for me to listen to. So, so it's basically like how most people hear Saint Anger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. Okay. When, yeah, when you hear it, and Jamila has not heard an album yet. Nope. We will go into the next episode. Okay. I, I'm gonna have you listen to. Oh, like we gonna watch that 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 Michael movie? Yeah. Okay. Have, yeah. Because I'm not doing that alone. <laughs> I'm not gonna have, and I don't want you to go through it alone because I don't think you would. Even I don't like to being it tortured. Right. She doesn't want to be tortured, and I'm not going to have her be tortured because this is something. If someone held my hand while I listened to it, maybe I would have received it better when I first heard it because I was, I did feel like I was being tortured when I first heard it. I will admit that when I first heard Postman Rock, shoot me again, shoot, shoot me, me again, again. come again. on, shoot me again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this guy, so. What I can say about I, like, it, I love that you had to sigh before you started. Yeah, there is a lot of sighing because lately oh, I've been challenged, you know, and I've been challenged for a while with him, but especially particularly now because I'm starting to realize I think what I appreciate most about him is his philosophical rambling. Like, I don't mind the rambling philosophical, you know, if he goes into the concepts, okay. But when I listen to his music, and I listen to how he talks about himself in the music. I just, I struggle. 
and I am struggling because he perceives himself to be upon the same shoulders as Michael Jackson. Oh hell no! And Prince. No. And it's like, nope. come on, man! Like, so what? What is his philosophy? What is it that attracts you to this person's philosophy? It's the fact that it's in depth and it correlates to animals. It correlates to life forms. And I love animals, right? I love all animals. Animals are just great. And I love that he has a whole concept, Return to Zoathlon, which explores so many animalistic characteristics about life that can be applied to the human experience. So I appreciate that. I feel like I've, I've not really heard a lot of artists much less write about songs, much less have a whole concept of zoathlon. So the fact that he can relate to the human experience through animals, that is one joy I do get. I love the poetry that he's capable of bringing into the music. But then when he goes into the Promethean angle, when he starts talking about Prometheus and Pandora and all these Greek mythology heroes, he kind of loses me a lot because... He perceives himself as Prometheus. He so sees... describe who Prometheus is for those of us who don't know. So Prometheus is a Greek god, deity, um, who's Sananda. He, he feels mythology there just as alive today because they're written in stories that can go on forever. He, he thinks them to be still living entities. And the reason why he relates to them and Prometheus is because he says, Prometheus, there's a quote on forgetting right now but it's basically like he was barred from hell because the devil knew him well so he fought with both the evil and the good and he was kicked out he was barred from heaven because of his challenge and he was made into this figure of importance and he sees himself sort of like in the same ranks like I was on the top in the 80s then I was kicked out <laughs> by Michael Jackson okay let hold hold up so obviously I have heard his music when he was the other name. Right. I'm trying to be nice here. Right. <laughs> I would not even put him in the same vein as those two. Maybe Michelle and Deggio Cello, who I yeah, absolutely who you, right. love. Right. I, oh, she was right. one of my favorite artists of all time. Absolutely. Right. I don't know why I don't like him. If I'm putting him in this, I don't get, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I just feel like there's a pretentiousness to him. That's not with her. And I would put him in the same vein as Dion Ferris. Like mm. artists like that who are really sort of out of, uh, do, do not go within the lines. Uh-huh. You know, that do expand. They don't just have pop music. They don't just have rock. You know, so, I mean, you could, some of Prince's albums you could put there as well. Absolutely. But the Prince that he's talking about is not the same Prince I'm talking about. <laughs> He's talking about around the world in the day prints, love sexy prints, Mm -hmm. purple rain prints. He is not in. He's not even. Prince, Prince, like, I am not the biggest fan of purple. I'm sorry. I stand with you. I love parade. (laughs) I love rainbow children. Expectations. You know, that's the stuff I love. Purple Rain, though, they, at the end of Purple Rain with the strings is worth the whole album. I'm just, yes. you know, I, I, right I, I will die on that hill. <laughs> but Purple Rain, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Purple Rain, the amount of talent in that man's pinky nail. 
You cannot compare right. Sonata Matreya That's my p- with exactly. what Prince did. Are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> are Are you kidding me? That's been my challenge. It's like, how can you make? How that can you compare? I'm so. How can you even compare? Let me see. What's the song? The beautiful ones to wishing well. No <laughs> comparison. Are you kidding me, dude? Right. Really. Not to mention Prince played music every day. Like this man, he was he was in the music all the time. And that's another angle I want to talk about is Sananda's live performances. Currently, I had Jamila listen to a couple of stuff. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm not even hating on three chord songs because, you know, chord is a chord, right? But... A lot of his songs really blend together. They don't sound different from each other. They don't have the quality that I am used to hearing. You know, listening to Prince is like Prince. This guy his not only could Prince play all the instruments, he sounded good. You know, it, that's the thing. It's like it's one thing because Sonata prides himself in playing all the instruments. So he all of the post, yeah, all of post millennial drums, his drums, his keyboards, bass, guitar, he plays. All of it. He even plays the... Uh... Then why is he on my level? <laughs> I play all of those instruments. I... Look, look. Prince is like where the ceiling is, and I'm like in the middle maybe towards the lower. That's... To me, that's where that dude is yeah. at. <laughs> why is he playing guitar like that? Yeah. I don't understand. And look, you already... The, the bad singing is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Yeah. I love bad yeah, music. Absolutely, yeah. But this is just bad. Well, we're going to go, like I said, next episode, we're going to listen to the record. Get out of here. <laughs> we're going to listen to the, what he is doing in his studio in Milano. Okay. But it, I feel like it, it's the idealism that bothers me. Thank you. Yeah. Because it's like his, perce- and he talks a lot about dreams, right? He's influenced, he's a Pisces, and you know, Pisces and their dreams, right? No hate to Pisces if you're listening. But. He has these dreams. He perceives himself through these dreams. And he did admit, and I and this is one of the most honest things I heard him say, which is that one of his biggest failures, if he was to conceptualize a failure for him, would be not being bigger or not being what his dream was. That he's having to basically circumvent what he wanted to do by living in another country because... And he even has a song called This Town, which is on his second album from Postmanium Rock, Nigger Mortis, where he says, you know, I've been around, I've played around and all these things, but he's like, this town, he was talking about LA because he used to live in LA. Like, this town won't love you if you pay your taxes on the run. This town won't love you if you stay. This town won't love you if you play your heart, if you lay your heart on a plate and stamp it with an expiration date. <laughs> That's why Metallica moved to San Francisco. I'm just saying. They were from L.A. too. I don't know. Right. So maybe he could have moved to San Francisco and had a better receiving. But I feel like even he understands that he could not take this music here because I feel like he intentionally makes it too complicated for the listener. I don't Okay. To your point about... You you were alluding to the pretension. I think that's what really I don't like because I yeah. like weird music, right. and some of they call outsider music. I think a lot of that stuff's great, but I think it's the intent behind the spirit behind it. 
I think that's really what it is with him. Mm-hmm. Because it just seems... Because... Uh, <laughs> Trout Mask Replica. <laughs> Which Captain I did Beefheart hear. I hear some of that. It's one that. of the greatest works of art. Of, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I played that for Jesse. That He's was, like, what is... It? I was like, you cannot talk to me. <laughs> you play freaking... Um, see, I'm going to call him... What's his name? Sananda. You can't even <laughs> tell me about Captain Beefheart. So I listen to weird music. So it's not that. Right. It's, I really do think it's the pretense behind that. Because again, Michelle and Degiocello, one of my favorite artists of all time, mm-hmm. makes music that is straight out of the box that you cannot categorize. You had um, Rocky Erickson, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Richmond. Uh, there's a lot of artists that you cannot categorize. So it's not that it's weird. I really do think he thinks so highly of himself. That's, and he's just yeah. like, I'm good. I'm an artist. And I'm going to make <laughs> artistic music. It's just don't take yourself so seriously, man. Right. That's And I think you hit it on the nail right there. He takes himself very seriously. And how he describes his music, it's like, what are you hearing that I'm not hearing? Because it sounds like even... I think his best instrument is the piano. Like he, he can do his thing on the piano. But even in saying that, I come from the church. Okay, I have heard great piano players. Sure, you have. Twinkie Clark. <laughs> Twinkie <man>. Clark. Hello. <laughs> I mean, see uh, the Clark sisters, Betty Nelson, Lashawn Pace. Like I have heard great musicians who are singers primarily, but they can play the piano, and they ain't out here like, oh, when I play and I. He perceives himself. It's like the dream of himself is much bigger than what you're actually experiencing. But he has to write all of these descriptions to sort of like affirm what he's saying about. But I don't think if you were to listen to it, you would get that. Right. And that's my biggest challenge. It's like, how can you perceive this to be so good when if I share this music to anyone who's not heard it, they're going to struggle with it. Like you struggled with it. Struggle's a very nice word. <laughs> I know you're trying to be nice. I know you're trying like right. It listen, when I first heard these albums, I couldn't even listen to the like I was like, what is this? What is this? This is hard to listen to. Like, why is the drum so why are the drums so loud? Why are you screaming? Because he always did that, man. He always did that. He, <laughs> When did he not scream? But it seems like before when he screamed, it was a little bit more no. listenable. You know? No. 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 <laughs> but even now, the screaming is just off. It's just, he's, it's a parade. It's a festival. And it's not one of those festivals you're just you just trying to go to. dare utter a Prince album <laughs> and that dude at the same time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't disrespect Prince like that, man. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just feel like it's one of those, you know, you ever gone to something like someone invited you to a party or something and you expect, you're like, okay, I'll go to this party. And then you go and then you look at the people around you and you just like, okay, I got to go home. Like, I got to go back to the house. I got to go to Africa. (laughs) I got to leave because this is, I'm not, uh, this doesn't feel like, this don't feel like, that's kind of what it's like when you listen to his music. It's like some songs hit you. Mm But a lot of those songs that I remember relating to at the time when I first heard the records were songs that he did in the past. (laughs) 
So that's what's like, wait, I like this song, but it don't sound like the other songs. Oh, because he did it in the 90s. The, the songs that I like were the ones he weren't singing, where he was just playing <laughs> piano. I actually like, what's the one he did for Prince? Speaking Prince. Of Prince. I that's like that yeah. song, but he wasn't singing. <laughs> wow. So the instrumental stuff, you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So he should just get somebody else to sing for him or something. <laughs> but that's the, what's, it's interesting you say that because most people, when they talk about him, they talk about his voice. Like, oh, he has one of the greatest voices of all time. Like, that's one of the main compliments Look, he I, receives. I, I told you voice. I'm 90% wrong most of the time. So maybe <laughs> I'm wrong, right? Maybe they're right and I'm wrong. That could be so. I just know. I'm trying to find this. Maybe there's a certain song that is not so... I think, look, you know. uh, uh, people going to hate me for this, but I really think Rob and Fab have better voices. Wow. I, uh, but I like bad singing. Maybe right. his, Sinan Retreya's voice is not bad enough for me to like. It's bad, <laughs> but it's not bad enough okay, for me to okay. like. Right. So he's not the worst singer in the world, but it's not like for me, you have to be either really bad or really good. No like you have to be a Rochelle Pharrell Ooh. or a Millie Vanilli. Right. Like for, for me to really, <laughs> I mean, there's people who I'm trying to think like maybe a Tom Petty, you know, like mm -hmm. it's like serviceable. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, right. Uh, but it's not bad or good. It's just, you know, but, uh, but yeah, like somebody who's like, I'm a good singer. It's it's no. Like, you got to sing like Robin Fab, man. You got to be like, girl, you know it's true for me to like you. That's just. Yeah. Or you got to be Anita Baker. Like, right. Yeah. As you said, I'm a Scorpio. It's like. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. That's probably what it is. You got to be real good. At real Look, bad singing is my fifth favorite thing in the whole world. So, I, <laughs> like, he's just not bad enough for me to be like, okay. But he's not that great either to me. He screams too much. It's just, I, it just, I feel like it's not in earnest. It's like what you were talking about. He's just trying so hard to be an artist. Right. The pretense just dominates everything. everything else. Yeah. And I just can't, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> and then like stuff that, like the stuff that, cause we're getting into this where he was interviewed and he was talking about, he totally dissed his moms cause yeah. he was just like, well, you know, I'm not West African. What did he say? Like, you yeah, know better than right. me. But he literally. I don't have a connection like, to Africa, really. My connections to Africa are through the Berbers. Isn't his mother like Trinidadian? Yeah, absolutely. But see, that's the, so his experience with his mom is, I think, a lot why he is so, dare I say, confused or maybe just completely off kilter when he comes to because his mom had him by a white man. He was adopted by. Uh, I forget his name, Darren Darby, who was a pastor. So he was restricted while growing up to listen to, you know, secular, quote unquote, music, worldly music. So he couldn't listen to music that he wanted to listen to because he was in a very religious household. And his mom sort of like alienated him because he was seen as a mistake. Like you had this man by, you had this boy by a white man. So she was kicked out of her house because of that. Ooh. And this made him feel, and he talks about this all the time. Like he was, his mom was more so about Jesus than she was about him. Cause she felt like he was like, I mean, she had him, of course she was not going to have an abortion, but by having him, she mainly 
clung to Jesus and not really gave him enough attention. So I feel like he's, and she's still living, right? So when he talks about his mom, it, it's, it, it clearly seems like there's not a good relationship there because of his upbringing. Mm. And he left early, you know, he went to Germany, he was in the army. Daddy left early, <laughs> mama was poor. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so I think that has a lot to do with how he, you know, his experience around African spaces has been largely negative because they suppressed that natural, you know, they made them like, hey, if you were past, if you were preaching or whatever, yeah, you cool. But if you're doing all that other stuff, then no. Hmm. And so by that experience, it was like, okay, well, I need to learn how to be myself. Let me connect to who I really am. Okay, Sly Stone. All right, cool. <laughs> all right, Sly Stone. All right. But thank you. It's such a distance. It's like your music, your voice, your all of the things that a lot of folks love you by are the things you are alienating yourself from. Mm -hmm. You're connecting your like he considers his hero Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, he credits as being yeah he that's Rod his god. That's so interesting. Yeah. The way Rod he talks about Rod Stewart, Stewart, yes. Rod Stewart to him is like, oh, that's my God. That's 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 my idol. He said that many that's times. Fascinating. He he credits Rod Stewart for being the one to give him the voice he has. Like he would sing all night to beat his voice into the shape of Rod Stewart's voice. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so most folks would think of someone like Sam. So when he first came on the scene, stay you know, Sam with me. Stay with me. No, it didn't stay. work. Right. I mean, I, I see it, but it didn't. Anyway. Well, he thinks, well, the thing is, it's like Sam, when he first came on the scene, it was Sam Cooke that he did covers of, Smokey Robinson. You know, he was on Apollo. Have you seen him on, on Apollo? No. He was on Apollo. People liked him on Apollo. Yeah. No one's thinking of Rod Stewart when they, but he doesn't even, and yeah, he'll credit Sam Cooke. And, you know, helping develop his artistry. But he's mainly clinging to Rod Stewart, the Rod. Beatles, Tom Petty, as you mentioned. Tom Petty? Yeah. I don't see that. Yeah. All of these. And, and I don't think a lot of folks, I don't see it either. But he sees it. He sees Oh, no. These were my, these were the Tom artists Petty. that musically woke me up. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. I don't, I don't. Maybe, I mean, you heard all the records. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe Tom He's Petty done a cover of Refugee. No. Yes. He's done a cover of Refugee. <laughs> you don't have to be Terrence Trent Darby. Don't have to be Terrence Trent Darby. That's right, because I changed my name. That's right. Wow. He did. Yeah. He's like, these, these were the people that gave me my voice. These were the people that... Yeah. It's like, but I don't hear it. But you hear it. So I can't tell you what you didn't hear. And he seems to be very musically knowledgeable of a lot of different artists, mm -hmm. a lot of, and so, but again, it's lost. You get lost in translation. I get lost in translation. I'm like, what you're hearing, I'm not hearing. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that has to happen all the time, but it's not consistent enough for it to be. Sometimes it just, it just doesn't seem true. It's like if you're living and I'm one, I love dreams too. I write my dreams down. I think dreams mm -hmm. are great. But dreams and waking life are totally different planes. So again, I ask you, why do you love this guy or loved or whatever? Because everything I'm hearing is a giant critique. Right. Well, but why do you love him? So going back to the descriptions and the conceptions of what he's writing, mm -hmm. I like 
that it's so far different from a lot of the music I'm used to listening to. Okay. So like when you think even someone like I love Prince. Prince is of course one of my favorite artists. I know. <laughs> but Prince isn't the greatest songwriter. Ooh. I know a lot of folks are, I've been already nailed <laughs> to saying that. But when it comes I'm not talking about the songs people look at as great songs, but like if you were to li- I've listened to pretty much all of Prince's music. Like even I, I stuff that's not been released. I know. And it's not like the songwriting gets me. It's the music. It's the way right, the guitar right, sounds, right. it's the way the, the drum sounds, the bass or whatever. And Sananda, you take a song like Paradise Postponed. The lyricism in that song, it's like, wow, that's wow, I, I connect with that. Like I connect with the depth of the correlations. I feel like he translates it well. Mm-hmm. And I that's the main component, to be truthful. That's one of the main things I, I really enjoy about his music is his lyrical ability. But when I'm listening to the music, and now he doesn't even do those songs hardly. I mean, most of the songs he does are, you know, he writes a lot about camels and kangaroos and um, <laughs> giraffes. <laughs> and, I, you know, I like those songs. Mm-hmm. But, and it's probably because, again, I haven't heard a lot of musicians write songs about animals. Mm-hmm. It's also, you know what it also is the fact that it's a lot of it is corny. It's okay. corny to the man. And I love corny music. Just like you like bad music. I love corny music. Okay. Okay. And he's a corny artist. <laughs> I mean, and I say that with love because I love corny music, but he's definitely corny. <laughs> but the pretentiousness does overshadow a bit because it's like, no, but you don't see it like that. You mm-hmm. see it as state of the art. So basically his whole catalog is Lulu. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, okay, here's, I actually like Lulu. You this like is, Lulu, right. in case you don't know, this is the album that was a collaboration between Lou Reed and Metallica. We're talking about Metallica. And it was Lou Reed's final album. And I actually like it. Yeah, there were some things on the album that are like, what? Right. I guess there were some Sananda moments on that. Album. Right, yeah. But I like the album. Why don't I like this guy? Because because well, question, they though. did the same thing when people critique the album. They're like, well, you just don't understand. You're not literate. They did the same thing, but I don't have the have same visceral reaction to their response to Lulu like I do with this guy. But have you heard any of Sananda's records in full? That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Is the answer. You have not, right? So, like I said, I, we're going to have a live listening to, I think the record that that broadly speaks to his musical ability would be the rise of the Zugabrian Time Lords. How should I prepare for this? You know, you, you know, you, you you know when you're about to go on the trip, you pack your bags, you make sure you have everything. So be prepared to pack some of the things I've already said. Protect, pack the fact that there's going to be some pretentiousness. There's going to be some covers of the Beatles. There's going to be some wild correlations. Okay. So just pack, pack, pack. And then we have to unpack it. <laughs> and then unpack it, right. Okay, I'll, I'll be sure to Because do I that. feel like I want to, so we want to, I want to listen to two records. So The Rise of the Gabriel Timelines and then Wild Card, which was the okay. album he did right before he changed his name or in the uh, middle okay. of his changing of his name. Okay. Because that's my favorite record. And it was, I think it's produced well. And it. I don't think it's too loud. Like, you know, you talk about him being loud. This record is not as loud. Okay. So, and I think, yeah, I would love to know what you think because 
I think when, because a lot of folks would even argue his first five records from Introducing the Hardline, Neither Fish or Flesh, Vibrator, um, Symphony or Dam, and Wildcard. There's too many, uh, too many correlations and connections between him and Metallica. I don't, I don't understand this. This is weird. <laughs> this is very weird. So, so there are trues. There are first fivers. Yeah, okay. and I think honestly. If you're gonna be listening to Sonanda, the trues is where it's at. Because <gasps> Ooh. because again, from Angels and Vampires to the Sphinx to Nigger Mortis to Prometheus and Pandora to the album he released two years ago, Pandora's Playhouse, those are difficult albums to listen to. If you are not aware of his previous stuff and you just heard again, most people don't even know he changed his name to Sonanda Matrix. <laughs> but if folks were to just listen to this and have an objective perspective, I think they would definitely find it hard to get into. So did he do the thing like Common did because he was Common Sense, but then there was a ska band named Common Sense. Hmm. So he had to change it to Common So and, and repress all the albums. Right. So did he do the same thing where it was like Terrence Shirt Darby, all the old pressings, and when they got reissued, they were synonymous. So what's funny is basically, yeah, like on streaming services anyway. All of the records that were titled to Terrence and Darby are now titled to Sonata Matria. But physical copies? Out of print. Oh, they never reissued? Like no, Columbia not, never no. reissued? And that's what we thought. So he did remaster the, the first record that most people are familiar with, introducing them, but there's no physical copy. I thought there would be a vinyl or something, but no, it was just remastered digitally. It's not a physical remaster. Weird. It, it's possible that he didn't want that because of mm -hmm. the It's possible. I mean, I don't know. No, I can see that because it's it's kind of really crazy that he even decided to change all of it because there are a lot of references to TTD, like Symphony or Damn mm. or even Vibrator. There's a song called TTD's Recurring Dream. And that it's might like, be why. Yeah. So yeah. he was just like, okay. yeah, it's and he's been a big component for MP3s and, you know, audio <laughs> stuff. So I think he's just like, no, let's just leave it digital huh but wow okay so there's the whole conversation he had where he doesn't connect with his mother's side of the family he said he was part of the berbers but not <laughs> any aspect of west africa that's you know right. sure okay fine whatever then what it didn't he say something else in that interview that was real problematic uh, um, he said many things in that interview that was problematic. I mean, there's the Michael Jackson connection where he feels like Michael sort of like took his shine or made him isolated because they were signed to the same label. So he felt like Michael owning the Beatles catalog took his ability to really perform those songs and be as wildly known. There are a lot of correlations. I don't know why he has so much antagonism towards Michael because... I don't even think Michael really knew who he was. <laughs> like, I'm sure he knew who he was, but I don't feel like he was threatened by his, his who's musical. Who's that? I, I, don't, right. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Maybe Prince at one time, but... Didn't they do something together, him and Prince? No. no. Oh, he performed at Paisley Park. He performed at Paisley okay. Park, and okay. from what I hear, Prince, like he, Prince fashions pretty much embarrassed him. Like He was like, come on, let's jam. And Sananda could not keep up. Wow. And Prince was like laughing at him. And yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So Nanda, and here's the thing. When he first came on the scene, he was not a guitar player. He didn't know he didn't know how to play the guitar. I mean, that's that's, that's fine. That, that's that fine, happens. right. 
Yeah, but now when you see him, he's out. He, you always see him with a guitar. He looks like me playing guitar. <laughs> and that shouldn't happen. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not that great at playing guitar. I like playing guitar. Guitar is my first instrument, my, my first real instrument. I played a bunch of bands of guitar, but mm -hmm. I'm not that great at guitar. Like drums is my primary instrument. Right. Why is he on my level? He plays guitar way more than I do. That's my thing. He should I not be on my level. This is another thing because I think of an artist like Judith Hill. Mm. When Judith Hill first came out with Prince with the Back in Time album, she didn't really play guitar that well. She didn't play it as really, she, really now. Yeah, Judith, yeah. you can hear yeah. she's right. she practiced. She can do right. solos. She, right. she, Sananda records. That's it. All of his songs, he I mean, never strays away from that. That's fine. Cause that's punk, you know. I'm a punk kid. That's so true. That's right. what I do, man. But, <laughs> but the type of songs that I do fit that. Right. But he's if he's trying to be experimental and artsy. Right. You would think. What are you doing? What are you doing? I I don't it. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to be positive, but it's really hard to be positive about somebody's music who's just so pretentious, mm -hmm. and just. And speaking, okay, so one more thing I want to add based <laughs> off the pretentiousness. So, like, the Neither Fisher Flesh album came out right after the Introducing the Heartline. But he's vegan? No. Oh. Okay. But Pisces, again, the fish. So he's like. But I'm, he says flesh, though. Is he vegetarian? No, I think that's representative of the human aspect. Oh. Neither fish or flesh. Like, I'm not really a Pisces. I'm not, like, I can't. I'm in these, I'm between these two worlds. I'm in Android. I'm a hologram. <laughs> I'm not really human, everybody. You know, right. that's, that's cool. But that record he credits to sort of killing Terrence Trent Darby because that record is when he compared himself. He said, well, it was right after the Introducing the Hardline record, but by the time the Neither Fish or Flesh album, people just forgot about him because he said, this record is going to be bigger than the Beatles. What? Yes, the Rolling, the Rolling I, Stone I know, interview. I, look, I know who's going to be mad at that. Hi, Clint Wells. Right. Metal Up Your Podcast. <laughs> we love you. That Metal Up Your Podcast is an amazing podcast, but Clint Wells is one of the biggest Beatles fans right. I know. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what Clint thinks of Sonanda's uh, recordings of the Beatles. He, he's done at least five. Yeah, Clint, Clint um, we have to have you. Hopefully we have Clint and Ethan of Metal Up Your Podcast right, sure. on this podcast so we could talk to him about that. But yeah, I would like to uh, know that as well. Yeah, I would love to know what he, because he's done If I Fail, he's done. Ooh. Uh, if I fell in love with you, will you promise to Whatever song he did. He's done, um, uh, When I Call You Up. Uh, what, what's it called? When I Call You Up. Your Line. I have no game. idea what you're saying <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> if you don't see me. Oh, okay. If you won't see me, but it's an instrumental, so you might like that. There are no, vo okay, no vocals. Okay. And that's actually pretty okay. good. Okay. He's done, um, You're Gonna Lose That Girl, <gasps> What You're Doing. That's how he starts off the record, The Rise of the Zagibri and Time Lord. That's the first song. Oof. You're gonna lose that girl. Yes, yes, you're gonna lose. Yeah. So, so he, he's a Beatles true, it looks like. For real. Because it, yeah. it seems like he just does like the first two years of the Beatles or something. Yeah. If I fell... Uh, you won't see me. You're going to lose that girl. There's another one I'm 
forget because he's not really doing like Norwegian wood or no, no or no. like a what you're doing. There's another one. He white does. album or yeah, Yellow Submarine. <laughs> he's not doing. He credits Yellow Submarine to being one of his greatest films. Like he loves that that movie. We all eat little yellow tangerines, <laughs> yellow tangerines, That's, yellow oh. tangerines. <laughs> Is that what the lyrics are? No, no. Okay. We all live in a yellow submarine. Because I want to say, Sonanda writes There's a lot no about yellow tangerines. tangerines. I hope not. <laughs> he writes a lot about tangerines. Of course There's he does. two songs Jeez, about tangerines. Does, so when you say that, I thought of Odavina. I wonder if he likes Tangerine Dream. He probably does. Probably. Odavina and uh, Old Guanita. Oh, lovely Guanita. He talks about tangerines. Oh, this guy, this guy. <laughs> lovely Rita, meet her maid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh my goodness, this so guy. So yeah, he 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 sees himself as being quote unquote killed after that Rolling Stone. Rolling kill, Stones kill, 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 that's what happened to his career because folks were like, oh, he, he takes himself too seriously. He says he was just joking. It was just in jest. But a lot of folks saw it as, nah, you really, no. you, 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 you really think that and you not that. You ain't really down. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. So, no, wait, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this political thing because there was something and maybe that was it. But then you move forward. And it just gets progressively worse. Can you say progressively worse? It just gets bad. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, in a way. Because again, the songs that I enjoyed most, because he, what he does is he combines the old with the new. Mm-hmm. So he'll add, he'll have an old song and then he'll have a new song. And then it's like, okay, I really like the old song, but that's an old song. So it's not really, and it's not that some of his, because when we were talking about earlier in the podcast about, um, Suicide, uh, mm-hmm. screaming suicide. He has a song called "The Suicide Song," huh? And it's a great. I actually enjoy that song, and it's a newer song, so it's not okay. something from the past. But I think he can. He he'll find some spots where it's like, oh, this this doesn't sound bad. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, as a whole, and what he's what he's writing, because again, Tanana does a lot of writing describing why he wrote the song and what's the meaning behind it, and it's like, okay. But when you're listening, there's a disconnect. Mm. And he, he, I mean, he's one of those artists that's definitely, he ain't trying to talk about politics, right? So he's like. He made a BLM song, so I don't, be, I don't believe that. He made a BLM type song. He did. So. If, I want to breathe is what he yeah. yeah, I want to breathe. But like if you, they were to ask him about it, he's like, oh, you know, he'd give the surface answer. Well, we know we all need to love and. Treat each other kind. All we need is love. Yeah, that's just love like. Is only. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, and then I don't want to say Pandora's Playhouse is also political because he has a song called "In America," where he's like criticizing what it's like to be in America. If you're if you're black, you got to watch your back. If you Jew, uh, you know, a lot of correlations he makes. Like, oh, if you're in America, there's all of these antagonisms, hmm. and it's like, okay, true. To some extent, but you are in Italy, and, <laughs> which was fascist, right? Which is a fa- <laughs> so it's not just America that's like treating you. And I think a lot of folks they don't know this guy. He did a recent live. That's recording. what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Here we go. Right. Here we go. So Here we go. the Costa Rica sessions. Okay, this is the recent live album he released. Right, 
I watched it, you know, watched the whole thing as it premiered on YouTube. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and he has on a Proud Boys shirt. And I comment in the live chat, like, yo, do you understand the Proud Boys is a white supremacist organization? Why do you have this shirt on? Like, I, like it just, I couldn't get it. Like, what, what's up? And, you know, of course, I'm the only one that wrote that. Everyone else just, they didn't even acknowledge it. And Sananda, I do believe, has a fascination with skulls. He's used, you know, skeleton skulls many times throughout his career, especially through Neither Fish or Flesh. He'll have a hat with a skull in the middle with the two bones as a, at the crossroads. So maybe he didn't know what that shirt was. That's, you know, that's very likely. But me calling them out meant being silenced like I called him out on that and it's like uh-uh we're gonna remove you completely I was blocked basically <laughs> from the Instagram um and I was like wow okay well but before we analyze this because I want to that's, <laughs> this is why I do not endorse wearing a t-shirt where you have no, no idea what idea. it is right because I don't care how beautiful it looks. Like these band t-shirts, you have no idea what this band is. They could be like, kill all Negroes. Right. And you wearing this band shirt, you have no idea. This band could be anti-Semitic. This band could be incel, what, whatever, yeah. all the isms. But you wearing this t-shirt, you're like, because it looks nice. This is why I don't support that. I don't, the poser thing, I don't care about that. Like, oh, you energy, you oppose, you don't know that band. Name, name the third song on their second album. Like, I don't care about that. But the fact is, it's vulnerable for us out here as a punk kid, you know, in a majority white scene, being <laughs> out here, it, you're vulnerable. So I do want to know where people's political alliances are at. Absolutely. I'm not saying that you have to share mine. Look, I am. People would say I'm a Metallica fan. I'm not a fan of any. I'm a fan of St. Anger. And to me, <laughs> a fan means that you have an irrational obsession. That's what that means to me. A fan means something different to somebody else. But I have an irrational obsession with St. Anger. I do not have an irrational obsession. obsession uh, I can't even say it because <laughs> obsession. obsession. Just like you can't say bourgeoisie, right? Well, I have I'm obsession. You have bourgeoisie. <laughs> so, I don't feel anyway that I have an irrational obsession about Metallica. I do have one about St. Anger, and I have no problem admitting that. <laughs> I love Metallica. Right. I have a, a, a spiritual and philosophical perspective on Metallica, which makes me appreciate them even more beyond the music. But I do not. I, I don't feel like I have a fandom because, again, it's very different for me. But... If I know they were like, they've done some very problematic things in the past, mm -hmm. but now I feel like they have done things which you know, they've atoned for those things and they've matured and where they are now, I feel okay with wearing a Metallica t-shirt. Right. I feel very okay because I feel like, yeah, but there are certain bands I would not wear their t-shirts. When I see people out wearing these t-shirts, I'm like, Hey, like, let's like, I saw a kid wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt. Dead Kennedys is my second favorite punk band of all time. Bad Brains is my number one favorite hard, <laughs> hardcore band of all time. 
and they've had they've had some problematic stuff too and again they have massively apologized for because they were like mad homophobic and then they were like yeah that wasn't that wasn't really great period for us but yeah he's doing a dead kennedy's t-shirt so i was just like what's up like you like dead kennedy's he's like no it was like supreme shirt or something like that he's like no i don't i'm like yo like be careful with that because these bands out here could be saying kill you mm-hmm. right i'm like be careful with what kind of t-shirt you're endorsing like these people out here wearing Burzum shirts, calling themselves anti-racist. The dude that's in Burzum, Varg Virkinus, is a white supremacist, <laughs> and he's like one of those weird, um, like a, like naturalist or something. It's like mm-hmm. it's a very specific scene, but he's also a huge white supremacist. So I uh, be careful. You're wearing a Burzum shirt. I I get you. Like the music's great, but. You need to know. I don't have to. I don't uh, politically. I am way far to the left than the most liberal Metallica. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I have to agree with you politically to like your band or whatever. That's not even what that is. But I want to know where you stand to see if you're freaking white supremacist. No, absolutely. Because yeah. I'm going to your show. I'm not trying to be out here being exposed. Right. Especially now as an amputee. Like when I was, when I had two legs on the shows, I had people, you know, I had some experiences. I'll just say that. <laughs> so yeah, being someone who's African in a majority white and male scene, like you got to watch yourself. That band could politically endorse some, endorse something that you do not align with. And this is the problem I have with just wearing a t-shirt mm-hmm. of any band because you like it looks nice. Right. So yeah, it has nothing to do with somebody being opposed. I don't care about that. I am uh not the singer RIP of Exodus. <laughs> it's just like Poser Motley Crue shirt. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can get into Motley Crue too cuz uh, Nikki Six uh, they've been pretty racist too so i lean in anyway so yeah what i want to so nana matreya my brain is saying the other names i'm trying to be respectful i'm i'm trying so hard so nana matreya i i don't care if you have an attraction to skulls if you wear an image on your shirt know what that image means yes so it's a skull with a u.s flag on it so he probably meant like, oh, it could for him that America's dying, like my image of America's mm-hmm. dying. Right. I don't know what that shirt meant to him. But people out here need to do research on a particular image that they're wearing on their body because a wearing of something on your body, whether it's a tattoo, a T-shirt, whatever, is an endorsement Absolutely. of that. Right. So... For you to get blocked because you're saying they probably were like, oh, you're calling him racist. They probably didn't understand the context or significant. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Because I'm out here on this episode saying I'm not into him, but I don't think he's trying to out here su- support right. the proper. I, I want to believe that he doesn't align with those values. I think he has a lot of like self-hatred. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Right. But I don't think that he's trying to align yeah. with white supremacist values. So I'll, I'll give him that. But I think to wear a T-shirt just because you're like skulls, just 
that that's rough man that's rough for me to be like well naive to uh, mm. just just chalk it up it, this whoever's moderating that be like oh wow he didn't know thanks yeah that's what i'm saying like an answer like that would have been more plausible instead of just this reminds me of something that happened about a month ago when jerry lee lewis passed on and <gasps> folks were like yo you because he wrote this whole anytime it's funny because anytime well i don't know if it's funny but it's pretty interesting how anytime someone passes away that's in the entertainment industry he always writes this huge like the connection he had to this artist and why they inspired him so he did the same thing with jerry lee lewis and folks were like uh dude was a pedophile like his 13 year old cousin right right and so they called him out on that and he literally he deleted all those comments Uh. he limited the post and then he wrote another post saying I'm I'm here to celebrate the life. I'm not here to celebrate, you know, the things that they did that were negative in their lives. Like we all have shame and all of this other stuff, but that's not what I'm trying to bring attention oh, to. Oh, the queen oversaw the destabilization <laughs> of the Mau Mau's in Kenya who were fighting mm. for liberation. Uh she oversaw imperialism. She oversaw white supremacy. But yeah, I'm celebrating the queen cuz oh, don't speak ill of the dead. Yeah. Whatever. F the queen. F the queen. And we're not going to act like people don't have the right to call attention to these atrocities. Just because you are looking at, you know, you want to look at the the positives of their musical ability. It's like, it kind of reminds me again, like he has his version of how other folks should perceive the music. And if they are calling them out on it, then they're shunned. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, no, we're, we're not focusing on that. That's just... We, we're all, you know, like when people talk about cancel culture, like, oh, that's just cancel culture. No, so, wanna, yeah, it's like, no, no. no, like folks have a right to call out yeah. and to criticize things that need to be criticized. And if you have that much of a problem with it, like you're you're pretty much showing where you stand. So it, it just makes me look at him anytime someone calls out something that he's a part of. And what's interesting, again, speaking of his old past when he was Terrence Trent Darby. <laughs> you said it, could, I didn't. Right. <laughs> he could talk about his past in such high gratitude when it's in connection to these other artists. Hmm. But when you're just talking about it single handedly, it's like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to talk about that. But when you're talking and connected to Prince or Madonna or Michael Jackson and when you were at the height, when you made the sales, oh, I did really. Then you could talk about it. But when you're just talking about it in relationship to how folks try to understand, well, why did you leave the industry? Then it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. So it's very selective. The things that you want to talk about towards your accolades and your awards, you don't mind talking about that. Oh, this album did a lot to inspire the. He credits Neither Fish or Flesh as inspiring many punk bands that came out. What punk bands? Hold up. Uh, what's the. There's Hold one that I'm thinking of. Uh, and I think you just heard them recently. It starts with an O. Uh, a punk band? I don't know if they're a punk, but they're like. The Offspring? No. Ocean something. Oceans? No, they're not called oceans, but they're like, uh, what is this band? It's a punk band as far as I understand. Oh, oh we got to figure that out. He ain't influenced no punk band. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, you ain't never met no Martin Luther King. He ain't never met, influenced no punk band. Get out of here you with that mess. You didn't meet no Martin no. Luther King. He ain't never I met didn't. no Martin No, Martin you didn't. Get out of here, man. <laughs> Get, no. That band O is called uh Oftentimes I Lie. That's what that's called. He ain't inspired no p- 
punk band. Get out of here, man. Yeah. What's wrong with you? See, this is why I can't. I can't. So that's that that's all I have right now. But again, next episode, I think we're gonna have a live listen. Don't worry about. We're not gonna be copyright strike. I already know because this music is. Treehouse Publishing is not coming for artists listening to their records. I, I think they they need the streaming. Oh. Listen, so. <laughs> You got more to t- see. I, I didn't say that much. You the one that's see. You can't talk about me. You the one that's like this the problem. You got more of that than me. I, look, man. Yo, so I wasn't actually gonna ask about that though. But <laughs> he need to go back up in that treehouse and rethink his life. I know that much. I I don't know what his problem is. So maybe even though you got blocked, he may take that to heart and never wear the shirt again. Yeah, that's possible, right? I mean, I was I, if look, I saw it in the documentary that he released on YouTube, and then I commented it on the Instagram page when I saw the video. I was like, so I mean, hopefully, I don't. Yeah, that's that's an ugly shirt too. Just saying, it's not. It's like no. Ah, <sighs> see, know what you were putting on your body. Because even if you don't know about it, it's still an endorsement. Because say, you, say you're say you wearing a metallic shirt. I think you have one, right? I have, yeah, I have, I have like yeah. 20, 21. Right. You could borrow some. You know, I, didn't, I, mean, I, don't, I can't possibly wear them every day. But say I saw you, right? I'm like, oh, African dude with a metallic shirt. I'm, and I have done this. Mm-hmm. I would go up to you and be like, yo, that's a struggle with this shirt. And you'd be like, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, huh? Struggle within. You're like, what are you talking What's about? That? Metallica, huh? You wearing a t-shirt? Oh, oh, I got this at Target, or so. You know, it's like no, I've never. No. So I'm all excited because you wearing a Metallica t- or Dead Kennedys or whatever the Clash, whatever. Shout out to Ethan Luck. We love the Clash. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> love your podcast. So you are endorsing this band, and you have no idea who they are. They literally could be saying they do not respect your existence please be careful when you wear these t-shirts and these images because just again from a spiritual like it conjures up stuff man you just wear some of that stuff so please be careful with that so hopefully he will take that to heart maybe they're just like oh man i don't know what that dude talking about (laughs) i don't know but hopefully he has incinerated that t-shirt and yes. maybe he'll even write about it on the album. I didn't know that the t-shirt was racist. Somebody told me. I don't know what to think, but I don't know. I would think that. He'll write I would a whole honest. album called T-shirt maybe. Right, yeah. But right, yeah. hopefully he will take that to heart and unblock it. I don't know, but be careful, y'all. Be careful. because be careful. Know these people you. out here... Just because you see that Target or Walmart or wherever they sell T-shirts, you be careful. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> be so, so yeah, I mean, we're gonna keep having these kind of conversations. Hopefully, you are enjoying where this is going. I'm actually probably going to be doing a series uh, talking about this upcoming Metallica album. Uh, we'll talk about that. That's April. So, I mean, in between that, we're going to be, right. you know, doing some interviews, hopefully, uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff and uh, really 
continuing this series every once in a while about the politics and music, which we were doing when we were talking about Prince and MJ anyway, but really getting into, I'm vegan, but I'm saying anyway, the meat of it. <laughs> It's just really understanding how important politics are in music and how connected to that because we all, like, the relationships we form, like, they are political because we're making decisions about who we marry, who we get together with, who right. we're Because, and I'm not going to be best friends with white supremacists. They do not respect right. my existence. So that is a <laughs> political decision. Absolutely. So the decisions we make about who we hang out with is a political decision. So even somebody's like, um, a political, that's still a political decision. You are right. making that. So be careful when you wear these t-shirts. Be careful when you listen to some of this music. Be okay with critiquing it. Don't just be like, well, it's, you know what, it's just music. No, again, I'm going to keep repeating it. Some of that music does not respect my existence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> like I am a person, you can check off a lot of those marginalized groups. My existence is not respected with some of these musicians like Ted Nugent or whatever. So please, if you wear a t-shirt, know what you're wearing. Has nothing to do with whether or not you're a poser. If you like Motley Crue, just know what that's about before you endorse <laughs> it. If you endorse all that stuff, great. Or whatever band. Whether it is, again, Dead Kennedys. Whether it's Public Enemy. Whether it's whatever, cool moldy. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen a cool moldy t shirt in since the 80s. I don't know. But whatever it is, the music you listen to, please understand that there is a connection to that. And some of that does not respect our existence. You know, there's the whole, I mean, even the con, like we haven't even gotten in the Kanye West thing. Uh, but now everyone's just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we'll talk about that at some, I mean, I, I think everyone's talked about that enough, but just again, like understand this is why I 1 trillion percent support people being open about where they are politically. This whole thing like, man, it's just about the No, no, it's uh, no. It can't be just because these no. people out here being like, oh, children are attractive. Uh, you know, like Ian Watkins, the Lost Prophets dude, like. No. I'm not listening to that dude's records knowing what he did. So, yeah, I want to know where people stand on stuff. It's like R. Kelly, whatever, you know? Yeah. I want to know where people stand because I just don't want to support people who harm children or, you know, like actively, physically harm children in various ways. So, yeah, uh, do you have any final words for this episode? It's, it's been good to just have this episode, and I'm looking forward to connecting with a lot of other folks listening and I have new guests as we talk about these topics and discussions i think it's necessary to have and yeah i don't mind peeling the layers off and like yeah let's look at don't this why, why you got like, <laughs> why see you know uh, tear it down <laughs> strip the layers off my, my turpentine oh paint oh looks cover up the past white heat white light, light super white bones bones of what you and night that's right <laughs> pure if i Purify. See you get don't don't get yeah. look dude don't get me started. <laughs> we gonna end this episode before we start singing the whole Saint Anger album. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, hopefully you've gotten something positive, and I'm sure you know. Again, our views are a bit more to way to the other side, so right. you know I'm sure 
some of you listening will be like, oh, that's a bit too radical. Or hard. That's okay too. Okay. That's okay. Some There are podcasts I listen to where we don't share the same views, but it's a great podcast. I think we can have all kinds of views and still enjoy each other and and struggle and all struggle's not a bad thing it's please not, don't don't let anybody tell you word. that it is because it is because that's how we grow struggle without struggle there's no progress thank you frederick Douglass, for that <laughs> but thank you so so very much and in the description we will post the number if you are struggling mentally in any way if you feel like you do not have people in your immediate life to talk to we're going to post the number. Please use it if you need to. That is of utmost importance. But we do hope you do have people in your life that you can share joys with and experiences. And if you are struggling, that they support you. Yes. Because that's, that's crucial for all of us to have. So thank you once again. Have a wonderful day, night, evening, wherever you are in the world. And uh, we will actually... Do another episode sooner than later, finally, because yes. now we're... <laughs> now I'm here. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you. thank you, thank you.